0: Well, once again, I appreciate everybody being here this morning for uh, Resurrection Sunday. And uh, it's really awesome to realize that uh, all over the world, as as the time changes, that, that people are breaking bread and people are coming together. So for 24 hours, the body of Christ is physically together, uh, except for us. <laughs> but physically together, always spiritually together. And uh, they're breaking bread together. To remember the sacrifice. That is so amazing. And then to see uh, uh, Nicole on and, and Anne on uh, from Belarus. And Oleg said he was going to try to get on as well. It's such a, a, a beautiful thing to understand. We're a part of this great resurrection army as the scripture teaches. But I want you now to turn with me. Uh, and if you have your lesson plans, that would be great. I sent the lesson plans out uh, uh, via email. So if you have your lesson plan, That would be wonderful. I want to read the scriptures there. Let's turn to the book of Hebrews in chapter 10 once again. Uh, But we're going to read a little bit later on in that uh, passage. We were just in Hebrews 10 a moment ago. But we're going to read on and we're going to read uh, the last few verses, beginning in verse 32. Notice what the writer of Hebrews says. Remember the former days when, after being enlightened, you endured a great conflict of sufferings, partly by being made a public spectacle, through reproaches and tribulations, and partly by becoming sharers with those who were so treated. For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. That's an important point. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, perseverance, So that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. Remember, God promised it. We're going to learn a little bit about the promise today. And he is going to deliver. He cannot break a promise. And so it's an absolute sure thing. And I love it when someone makes a promise and you know they've never failed you. And so you're confident that they won't fail you uh, again or ever again. So it's important to realize that. Now I want you to turn to our, our passage this morning that we're going to be working through. 1 Peter chapter 1. And I know I've done this in years past, but this year I really did quite a bit of digging. And as you can tell by the note sheet, uh, there, there's an awful lot there. And uh, it's pretty amazing when we uh, realize all that God has for us particularly through the resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. So let's begin. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through, through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, your faith may be found to result in, In praise and glory and honor at the revelation, or I might add, the coming of the Lord Jesus when he comes back to take us home. And though you have not seen him, you love him, and though you do not see him now, you believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. So important for us to recognize the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the key day, moment, event in human history. It's really the, the, the changing point because Jesus Christ, having broken the power of death coming forth, as you well know, all the Old Testament faithfuls, their tombs broke open when he died and cried out uh, into my uh, your hand. I, I commend my spirit. It is finished. The, the doors of the Old Testament faithfuls opened up. And then when Jesus came from the grave, they came forth from the grave. And remember, Jesus said to the thief on the cross, when the thief said, will you remember me in your kingdom? Do you remember what Jesus said? He said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Paradise is where the departed souls of the faithful were waiting for the Christ that they had heard about in the Old Testament. They were waiting for the Messiah. And so in his death, in his burial, his body was in the tomb, but where was his soul and spirit? It was in paradise, proclaiming the year of jubilee, the year of freedom, the day of freedom. You know, the year of jubilee is eternal life with with God. And so eternal life began for them, and they were then what? As it says, when he went up into heaven, he led captive a host of captives. I love that truth. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is so powerful, and you know what's really amazing is that when we're born again, we are born again through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and we're born again to a living hope. What is that living hope? You see, we were hopeless without God. Notice what it says there in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy caused us to be born again to a living hope. We were hopeless. We were helpless. We were enemies of God. We did not have a chance at heaven because we had lived for ourselves. But we came to our senses like the prodigal son. And we came back to the Father and we humbled ourselves and became obedient to Him. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning in point number one. And in point number two, we're going to talk about what really causes causes us to rejoice greatly in this life, even during difficult times, because we'll have a right understanding of what that means. And then finally, in in point number three, uh, why do we love Him? Why do we believe in Him? Even though we can't see him. We're talking talk about that this morning. So let's jump into point number one. Born again to a living hope. Born again. What does it mean born again? You know, there's a lot of people thought, well, are you a born again Christian? Well, I have to tell you, there is no other kind. There's only one kind of Christian. It's a born again Christian and as a born again Christian who has been born again to a living hope, a hope that is real and alive in you right now, and people should see it in how you treat them, and how you speak, and how you act, and how you care deeply, and how you sacrifice yourself for the needs of others. It should be evident that living hope, you're sure of heaven and you're sure what Jesus accomplished for you. But notice it says through the resurrection of Jesus Christ We're born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, when is a person born again? You know what Jesus said in the Gospel of John? And you might want to jot this down. Don't turn there uh, because we don't have enough time to do that. But the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, Jesus says, you must be born again. You must be born again. And and Nicodemus wanted to enter into the kingdom of God. And Jesus says to Nicodemus, he says... "Um, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus thought he was talking about physical birth. He goes, how can I go back into my mother's womb and be born again? He was totally confused. This guy is supposedly a great leader of Israel, right? And so Jesus says, no, 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 no. Unless, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. He cannot enter into the house of God. He cannot enter into the family, to the Zion of God. And so it's important for us to recognize, go back and read John chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, because it's actually talking about what Peter talked about on the day of Pentecost. I want you to write this scripture down. Acts chapter 2, verse 36 through 38. Don't turn there because, it, again, won't take too much time. But you go back and check me out. Because Peter preached the first gospel sermon. Because how many of you know that Jesus gave the keys to the kingdom of heaven to Peter? It says that in Matthew 16. He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now what do keys do? They open and they close. They unlock and they lock. Well, Peter was given the keys of the kingdom of heaven and no one had been able to get into it until such time as Peter took the gospel of Christ which is the key to heaven and open the door to heaven through the gospel proclamation Peter preaches in Acts chapter 2 verses 22 through 36 he preaches the gospel the seven part gospel and then he closes with this let all the house of Israel know for certain that God made him both Lord and Christ this Jesus whom you crucified They were were freaking out when they realized. They're the ones that were saying, putting down the palm branches, you know, on Good Friday. And all of a sudden, they're the ones screaming and yelling the next day, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Oh, man, when, when Peter said that, you are the ones. They were pierced to the heart. This is verse 37. And when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? I could just see they're just freaking out, terrified. They just murdered the Christ, the Messiah, that God had promised to send to save them, and they just murdered him. What do we do? And Peter says, are you ready? Peter, who had the keys of the king, said, Repent, and let each of you be baptized, immersed in water in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, and you'll receive the gift of, of the Holy Spirit. There's the water and the spirit. Jesus said, "Unless you're born of water and spirit, you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven." The only way that person can enter into the kingdom of heaven is to be born of water and spirit. With a repentant, faithful heart to humble themselves to receive Entrance into heaven by dying with Christ in the waters of immersion, by being buried with Christ in the waters of immersion, and most importantly, being raised up with Christ to walk in the newness of life, the abundant life, the eternal life. That happens in immersion. That's when you're born again. You're born, you begin to live. Some people say, well, I've been baptized, everything's great. Well, no, you got a whole life to live now. But you have the power to do it. The power of a resurrected man. That's what we're talking about today. Because you are united with G- Jesus in his death and burial and resurrection in the act of immersion. Now look at 1 Peter 3.21. Look at 1 Peter 3.21. Now we do want to turn here to 1 Peter 3.21. The other we were just getting you set up for 1 Peter 3.21. Now, 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse. 21 comes right after verse 20. Duh. And and notice in verse 20, Peter says, for what, let's see, I better get to the right chapter here. Uh, <laughs> chapter three would help a lot. Thank you very much. Okay. So in verse 20, he's talking about Noah's Ark. He says, uh, those people who were disobedient when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah during the construction of the Ark in which a few, that is, listen, eight persons were brought safely through the water, the waters of the flood. The flood waters washed away all the wickedness in the world. Look at verse 21. And corresponding to that, corresponding to the flood waters of Noah's day, baptism, immersion now saves you. Not the removal of dirt from the flesh, it's not a physical cleansing, but an appeal to God for a good conscience. It's the way we appeal to God. For a clean and then a good conscience. A clean conscience is one that's been cleansed by the sprinkling of the blood. A good conscience is one that is possessed by the Spirit of God as the Spirit of God would indwell us. And so he says here that in the waters of immersion we're appealing or asking God for a good conscience. And notice it says through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now take a look at Acts uh or excuse me, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21 once again. Notice there's little hash marks there. Let's take everything out that's between the hash marks. Do you see that? 321? Let's read it and just read from one hash mark to the other. Corresponding to that, baptism now saves you. Not excuse me, corresponding to that, baptism now saves you through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Isn't that what it says? You see. Immersion is when we are united with him in his resurrection. Does anybody know what Romans 6 says? Well, I want you to write down, don't look at it, look at me. check it out later. Romans chapter 6 verses 1 through 4. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know, have you forgotten, that all of us who were immersed into Christ Jesus, who were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him, buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as he was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might be raised to walk in newness of life. That's powerful, brethren. We need to recognize and understand this first point: born again to a living hope, has to do with being immersed, but that we get something in immersion to an inheritance. We're born again to a living hope through the resurrection to an inheritance. What's the inheritance? Again, I want you to write this down and check me out because we don't have the time to do all of these scripture studies, but I want you to do it on your own. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. It talks about the spirit of God is the down payment, the earnest of the promise to come back and take you home. In other words, Jesus Christ gave his life and then gave you his spirit as a guarantee that he's coming back and taking you home to heaven. I don't know about you, but that's the biggest kind of earnest I've ever seen in my life. I've shared this before when we sold our first house. We got 50% cash on the barrelhead to secure the house earnest money. I mean, were the people serious about buying our house? Were they going to back out on the deal? 50%? 50%? No, they weren't backing out on the deal. That's an awful lot of cash to lose, isn't it? We knew our house was sold. When Sharon called me and I was back east, she goes, what should I do? I said, go ahead, do it. And uh, because I knew that they were going to follow through. Jesus came and died for us, bearing our sins. Jesus Christ was rose, from, rose from the dead and promised he would come back for us. That's the inheritance. The inheritance is this. It's what we are going to receive from god in fullness when we go from this life into heaven now we have a little bit of heaven right now in our lives the holy spirit and we're seated with him in the heavenly places right now spiritually but when he comes back we get it all but notice read what this says in first peter in chapter three about our inheritance it's first peter chapter one excuse me it's so amazing it says, verse 4, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Four things that this inheritance is. And I gave you a little bit of room. Sorry, I write microscopically. I know probably you don't. But I want you to go back and check those out. It's amazing. The word imperishable means immortal. Immortal. And you know, in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it talks about the new body that we're going to get when Jesus comes back, when we're changed in the twinkling of an eye, is immortal. It's never going to die. It's going to exist forever and eternity in a state of amazing heaven That. Our eye has not seen, ear has not heard all the amazing things that God has for those who love him. I can't wait to get to heaven. I will, but I can't wait. It's going to be great. But notice it says undefiled, meaning it's pure. The inheritance that we receive is pure. We receive the Holy Spirit, but heaven is going to be without sin. I don't know about you. I don't like jerks very much. <laughs> I mean, I just, I just don't. Could you imagine if heaven were filled with jerks? Great, we're going from here to another place with jerks? I don't think so. You know what? People who don't bow the knee and humble themselves and become Christians and grow in Christ in that holiness and that love and that gentleness and kindness and compassion and all the things that Christ is, he can transform us into. But those who don't have the Spirit of Christ... As much as they try to be really wonderful and nice, I'm sorry. The scripture teaches this is not Bill. This is Jesus. Get mad at him. Don't get mad at me. Only people who have the Holy Spirit who are being transformed are the ones who get to heaven. That's just, that's the scripture. And if you want to argue about it, I'll do more than have fun arguing. But you bring your Bible, okay? It's so important. We need to recognize that heaven is going to be sinless. No jerks. Woohoo! Now, think about it for just a minute. What's the company that people are going to be keeping in hell? In the lake of fire? All the jerks, jerks, but the devil (laughs) and his demons. And all the jerks. And there's no light, and there's no love, and there's no compassion. And there's all that heaven is, hell is not. It's the absolute opposite. I don't know about you, I want to get to heaven. And so this, this inheritance is amazing, unfading. It's perpetual, perennial, ever new. I don't know about you, but I always like new stuff. Ever new. And what about reserved? Now, I want you to really lock on to this one. This is so cool. When it says your inheritance is reserved in heaven for you, this is what it is in the Greek. To guard as in a fortress. And who's guarding the fortress? God Almighty. Do you think anybody's going to steal your inheritance? Not going to happen. Now, that reminded me of a story. And I don't know if, if any of you have ever been in New York City and have gone to the Federal Reserve Bank. I got to go there. And, and it was many years ago, and I was teaching at Willamette High School. And so we got in an elevator. By the way, we had to go through this security check, and guys with Uzis and stuff, and they basically all the body scans and everything. I mean, it was like serious stuff. I was going, man, they must be holding a lot of cash down there. So we get in an elevator, we go eight floors down in the ground. And then we get out and there's this like, like two-lane road down eight stories down in the ground in New York City. And we walk for about 200 yards on this big two-lane road. I mean, it was big. You could get two big trucks side by side in this road. And we're walking down there, it's nice concrete, and there's, you can see where there's rubber marks. And we get down to where the vault is. And you know, the vault was a 12-foot solid steel cylinder with a hole cut in it, just big enough for two people to get through. And we went through that steel cylinder, and we got in, and when we went in there, there was cages. As far as you could see, there was gold stacked on little carts. Not very high, because gold would smash itself. Gold everywhere. We saw gold everywhere. So how many people are you going to think are going to go, hmm, we're going to break into a bank someday. We're going to break into the Federal Reserve Bank. I don't think it's going to happen. It's just not going to happen. And that big cylinder closes every night at 5 o'clock. So if you're in that vault and the cylinder closes, oh, well, you get to die with all that gold. No, no, no. There's enough air in there to last until the next day. They figured that out, so you won't die. But you're not getting out. It's amazing... Your inheritance is reserved in heaven, guarded by God. No one's getting it. Now, can you give it away? Well, if you're a fool, you can. But your salvation is absolutely secure. God has secured it and he has protected it. And so let's look at that next one, protected by God. The word protect, protected there literally means to be guarded. To be guarded with a mighty force, the force of God. Your inheritance is protected by the power of God, the force of God. And it says in this passage of scripture, it says here, uh, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed. For a faith. The interesting thing is, through faith. Now, faith is rather interesting. Many of you know what that is. But faith is built upon God's word. You want to have power in your life? The only way you're going to have the power of God is to walk by faith and not by sight. Brethren, I pray that you'll understand walking by faith and not by sight is the key. And you're going to walk by faith when you study God's word and do what it says. It's that simple. But a lot of people don't want to do that. I don't like reading. Well, I don't like reading either. Remember, I'm a slow reader. Okay? Remember, I was labeled a, a slow learner in school. I have learned to discipline myself to read and because of that, I've grown in faith, as anyone can grow in faith. So notice, protected by the power of God through faith. You know, God can only protect you if you walk by faith. If you're walking out in the darkness, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to go down to downtown Chicago in the middle of the night. For those of you who know anything about Chicago in the middle of the night, you know that's not a good place to go. So, But by faith in this dark world, we are safe finally for a salvation ready to be revealed the word salvation means delivered i can't wait to be delivered out of this this world delivered isn't it going to be great now if i pass away before jesus comes you know what the bible says the angels will deliver me to paradise and if if i don't die before that jesus will come and deliver me into paradise i don't know about you but that's so exciting okay deliverance But it's rather interesting, ready to be revealed. I looked up the word ready, and it means to be finished. In other words, uh, Jesus, I go to prepare a place for you. Remember? It's finished. He could come at any time. I don't know about you, but that's pretty exciting for me. He could come at any time. And it says here, you're going to be shown your new home in heaven when Jesus comes back. Now, I don't know about you, brethren, but I'm excited about that. You know, point number two is very quick. Take a look at verse 6 and 7. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. So that the proof of your faith, excuse me, verse 6 and 7. I should probably read verse six first. In this you greatly rejoice, even though not for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold which is perishable even though tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of jesus christ do not fall asleep on this point this is a huge point it's really super exciting when i'm studying through it's like all right <laughs> there's hope for me you know and you laugh but the reality is is that there's hope for anybody who will understand what this little section is talking about in this you greatly rejoice. What is the in this talking about? In this? In this what? In the truth that you've been born again. In the truth that Jesus Christ paid for all of your sins and gave you his powerful Holy Spirit. You can greatly rejoice in that. And you can greatly rejoice that your inheritance is guarded better than Fort Knox, better than the Federal Reserve Bank in New York City. It is Guarded in his fortress in heaven by him, by his almighty hand, there is no one who's taken away your inheritance. Now, you can give it away, remember, but no one can take it away. And you go back to the book of Romans in chapter 8, and you might want to jot this down. Book of Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 31, and read all the way to the end of the chapter. No one, no one, no one can take your salvation away from you. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And so it's because God has provided that. Now, turn the page on the back of your lesson plan. It says, see, uh, his uh, hope, inheritance, uh, even though if necessary. Even though if necessary, why would God see it necessary to have troubles and trials and tribulations in our life? even if it's necessary. I looked up that word necessary, and the word necessary actually means needful. Needful. And so, the word distressor, even if necessary, we look at this again, um, for a little while, even though now for a little while, uh, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. What are the various trials? Why are they necessary? Well, the word necessary means uh, needful. You know the word distressed means to cause grief, sorrow, and sadness. That's not like distressed, like, I don't know what to do. That's not what that's talking about. It's talking about things that bring sadness and sorrow and grief in your life. All right? And the last thing there is the word various trials, which means different forms or kinds of trials. You know what the word trials there means? Are you ready? Are you seated? Discipline. Discipline with adversity. Now I remember when my sons were little, <clears throat> there was a need for the board of education, and uh, and that board of education brought sorrow to my sons, and yet it was needful so that they would become solid men, and I'm so proud of my three sons. I am. It's true. Okay. And uh, as you well know, I speak highly of them all the time. Uh, But it's because of the Board of Education, because it was needful. The Bible says so. Oh, by the way, write this scripture down. Please write this down. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 4 through 13. It is needful. God, as our Father in heaven, sees that we need discipline. And discipline is not, you know, fun at the time. It's sorrowful. But yet it produces the peaceful fruit of righteousness. that's why we discipline our children our earthly parents discipline their children. That's why God disciplines us, his children. see but so so that the proof of your faith the the reason that we're disciplined by God is so that our faith would be proved or born out you know the the word "their proof means the substance that that your that your faith is genuine the substance and genuineness of your faith now what is your faith this is important anybody can say they're a christian and unfortunately a lot of people do and they live like horrible right if someone has faith they have solid convictions on what is right and wrong that's the first part of faith They also have an absolute deep and abiding trust in God's word, so much so that they actually will live according to his word. That's so important to understand. The proof that your convictions, that who you trust in, who you put your trust in, and your faithfulness and obedience to God is borne out in difficulties. If you have a boss that asks you to do something that's illegal or unscrupulous, your faith is going to be proved and borne out in that, or not. You say, why, why am I being put through this test? I can't stand it. I got to st- make good and I got to do this. Well, of course, it shows and proves who you are. And you can take great glory in the fact that you lived a life of character for God. And so take a look at at, uh, uh, the the next phrase there as we read this. It says, verse 7, So that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result. Your faith, when tested, may be found to result in praise, glory, and honor. The word found to result in, the result there, the word result means achieving a desired end. Why did I discipline my sons? To achieve a desired end. Did I enjoy spanking my sons? I did not. I did not like it at all. They might have thought I did, but I did not like it at all. I couldn't stand it. But I knew that God had told me to do that. And each of my sons, when I had told them when they were little, you know, God tells me I need to spank you uh, so that you'll become a good man. And then when they got old enough and and brave enough, they said, well, Dad, show us in the scripture where it says that. Do you remember me doing that, Ryan? Showing you all the scriptures? And he goes, oh, Okay, well, it helped them understand that I loved them enough to discipline them so they'd be good men. How important. God loves us and will discipline us so we be good people. Now, so the, the end result that God desires is praise, glory, and honor. When? When Jesus comes back. I don't know about you, but I want Jesus to praise me when he comes back. How about you? I don't know about you, but I want Jesus to grant me great glory when I come back. Instead of what? rejection and i want jesus to to grant me honor when he comes back and not condemnation so really quickly i want you to do your own study but the word praise means to be commended lauded and praised for a job well done the word praise there means to be commended lauded and praised for a job well done do you remember what it says in matthew in chapter 25 the master gave five talents two talents and one talent to different servants and the one that had the five talents created five more talents. And what did the master say? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Right? And he rewarded that servant handsomely. What is it? Commended, lauded, and praised. The word glory, having a reputation of dignity and distinction. Can you imagine? this? Think about this for just a minute. When we walk into heaven, all the angels, you know, the Bible says, that men will judge angels. Humans will judge angels. When we come marching into heaven, the great throng of the resurrected army, and there will be people out there that have gone on before us. They'll be giving us a high five if we come marching in. Okay? Giving us hugs and shaking our hands. And, and it's going to be Awesome. But the one that I most desire is to look in my Savior's face and hear him say, well done, a good and faithful servant. You lived your life, a life of dignity, a life of character. You laid yourself down for others just like I did. You deserve Wow. Do you want that? How badly do you want that? All the tro- troubles and struggles Struggles and trials in this world should not keep you from heaven. I want that praise. I want that glory. I want that honor. You know what honor is? A life of great value and preciousness. You know that one that was given the five talents? His master said, great job. I'm going to reward you handsomely. Your life should be precious and valuable to the Lord. He can't do it without you. Now, many of you are here when my son Andrew was back from Texas for a few days at Oregon Family Camp. And he played the piano. How many of you remember that? He played the piano. Was that really awesome? I mean, he was singing. He had a great attitude. He got all the song services put together. So he was teaching a message with them. Wow, Andrew, you're awesome. That was great. And how many of you heard Ryan give a Lord's Supper meditation or a prayer meditation? He illustrates it. So you're in the you're in the driver's seat of his truck if that's the illustration, or you're on the edge of a cliff if that's the illustration, or you're at the uh, tomb of the unknown soldier if that's the illustration. He illustrates it, and how many have ever gotten a hug from my son Jake, or a word of encouragement or praise? You see. That is because of the discipline. Don't reject the discipline of the Lord. Know that it's making you a man or a woman of God ready for heaven so that he will reward you richly. Now let's look at the last one very, very quickly. Point number three. We love and believe in him. We love and believe in him. Well, let's read this. Verse um, verse 8 down and verse 9. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him, now you believe in him. You greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible, full of joy, obtaining for the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. We can't see him with physical eyes. Or can we? Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart might know what are the riches of the glory What is the inheritance that you have received, you see? And what is the power that I've given to you that we might see but with eyes of faith? But I'll tell you one thing. When we see men and women who are living the life of Christ, we can see Christ. The glory of God, the glory of of Christ, is found in compassion. It's found in humility. Humility. It's found in kindness. It's found in joy. You know, I, I had this, this young lady come into uh, the assembly a couple, three weeks ago, and she goes, Morning, sunshine! Like that, and it's like, pfft. I mean, I just she lifted my spirits. It was amazing. That's the Spirit of Christ. That's the Spirit of Christ speaking life into me by just a sweet word of encouragement. My desk is filled in my office, filled with those little purple slips. I don't know if you've ever gotten a purple slip of uh, encouragement. I'll tell you what. I don't know who thought that idea but it was a good one. And I keep all the purple slips in my desk in my office, and I look at them. Man, I'm telling you what, I saw a couple this morning. It's great. I don't even know who they're from. I know at least one person loves me, although they change their handwriting pretty consistently. It's awesome. So it's important for us to recognize we can see how much God loves us. We can see how much he loves us through the scriptures. We can see how much he loves us through each other. And we can believe the love of God. And we can believe that God deeply desires our well-being. You want to know why? It's because we can see God's spirit manifest in his church. God's love manifests through his word and through the embodiment of his word, which is those who will walk by faith. You greatly rejoice. I've already talked a little bit about greatly rejoicing, and and over and over and over again. It says, uh, uh, so the proof of your faith, verse 8, excuse me, and through, though you have not seen him, you love him, and though you do not see him, you believe in him. I love him because he has loved me first. Amen? And the brethren consistently love each other and love me and and i desire to love them back it's awesome and then it goes on you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible full of glory joy inexpressible joy so deep that it touches the heart and the soul you know joy so deep is not a smile on your face joy inexpressible is not a smile on your face although you could have a smile I was driving. Uh, I was driving home. Um, was it three days ago? And I just finished up with a meeting with a man who had shared with me he wanted to start Bible study with me. And I've been praying for this guy. Really, a good guy. Praying for this guy. And finally, we got the time to have a cup of coffee, and we talked for about an hour, and we shared. You know, with each other. And then I said, Do you want to have a foundation for your life? And he said, Oh, absolutely, positively. I said, Would you ever buy a house without a foundation? He said, Absolutely not. (laughs) I said, Good, good. So let's build a foundation for your life, for your house, and let it be the foundation that God has communicated. He said, I want that. When I drove away from that meeting, I have to tell you, I was like so deeply moved, choked up, deeper than words. It's deep. That's the joy that we can have when we live it right, when we love God and know that he loves us, when we believe in God and know that he believes in us. We can have that joy inexpressible. And what does he say here? Not only joy inexpressible, but we are full of glory. Literally, because we have in kindness and compassion reached out to people, it comes back to us. God is faithful. And then finally, obtaining as the outcome of your faith. Why do we walk by faith and not by sight? Why do we walk with the convictions of Christ? Trusting God fully as Christ trusted his Father fully. Why do we give ourselves in humble obedience to things that are difficult for us? Why? It's because we know the outcome. We are assured of heaven. We're assured of being in his house forever and eternity. The alternative is absolutely unthinkable, terrifying. I don't know about you, but I see God in almost everything. But I also see the devil at work as well. I'm going to choose to persevere in the difficult times. Why would God allow such horrible things to happen to God's people. Why would God allow that? It's for God's people to wake up and embrace the only hope that we have as a people, and that is God and His provision. If we put our hope in this nation, if we put our hope in other people, if we put our hope in gold and silver, it's all going to go away. But if we put our hope firmly in God, trusting Him only, we will grow in faith and we will realize the most important thing that we can do is sacrifice for other people. Because there's only people that we can bring with us to heaven. How important is this passage of scripture? You see, Jesus Christ was raised from the dead so that he could go to heaven and offer the blood sacrifice that he had made in the Holy of Holies just like the Old Testament priest so he had to do that and he did. Opening the door of heaven so that we might all go in. But you know what? He made the way, but we must live by faith to enter in. We must remain faithful. Brother, I'm so thankful that I was born again, the living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But that doesn't end there. We must now be those people embracing the discipline of God, if that would be the case, if we need it, and rejoicing in the outcome of that, that we will hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, at the end, that there will be praise, and that there will be glory, and there will be honor on the last day when King Jesus points to you and says, Ryan, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into your rest. And you were faithful in, in a few things, and I will make you I will make you uh, in charge or over many things. brother. we need to recognize and understand that he loved us, so we love him. He believes in us, and we believe in him. And if we'll remain faithful unto the end, then we will receive the great crown of glory that he's called us to. I'm so thankful for this passage of scripture. Jesus was indeed raised from the dead, and we can participate in that abundant eternal life. First by being immersed in faith, and then by walking according to the great and glorious faith of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you'll come back and join us tonight. Tonight's going to be a great lesson. I'm really excited about it. Uh, I didn't get to it last week, but it's fighting the good fight of faith. Paul tells Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. I've always wondered what that was. I always thought I knew, but I didn't. But I do now. And so I want to share that with you. Fighting the good fight of faith. What does that mean? What does that look like? I don't know about you, but I like a good scrap. And uh, especially when Jesus is in my corner, because it's a guaranteed win. And so come back tonight. Uh, We're going to be on Facebook Live, 6 o'clock p.m. Fight the good fight of faith. Thank you so much for uh, coming and joining us today. Let's pray a closing word of prayer. Thank you so much, dear Heavenly Father. For the rich blessings that you've granted to us in this life the security of our salvation based upon your sacrifice and your inheritance that's guarded in the fortress of heaven by your miraculous power through the holy spirit as we walk by faith i'm so thankful that there have been times of discipline in my life where you have disciplined me. And Father, Holy Father, you've helped me become a man of integrity. And I'm still growing. And I'm so thankful for those opportunities. But dear Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful also for your love and your trust in me. And I pray, Lord God in heaven, that I would embrace that. And that I would, uh, Father, continue to labor in faith and in love for you, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much. You folks take care. We'll see you tonight, Lord willing.